Hello and welcome back to the Atlas Solutions podcast. My name's Brian, he's Chad, and we're joined again by uh, Atlas newcomer Grayson. Uh, today we're going to take you through, uh, through some uh, Apple product information. Hey Chad, how's it going? Hey Brian, um, so this is a big topic. We talk about this all the time with our customers, and it's pretty confusing, but I, you know, the world has changed to subscription models. So, uh, you know, I have a customer that last week we were talking about Microsoft office and they had Microsoft office on their computer. But when we look at it, it's office 2011. And if you do your math, that's a decade (laughs) old. So, um, you know, back in the day, you would go to Microsoft, you would buy a license, you would get, you know, two, 300 bucks, whatever it was, and you'd get Microsoft office, you know, and there were ways around it where you could sort of hack the system and like get the family version, or you'd, you know, try to get a license from your brother who was still in college and get the discounted school version. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Microsoft and Adobe and Google, they all caught on to that. And with the internet now, um, being as fast as it is and available to everybody subscription models, just kind of where we've turned. So, you know, you remember back in those days when you would try to get the disc from somebody and it was like, the game was, how do I get the software on my computer? And once you had the software, you were good. And then they started going to license key and you had to get the key from somewhere and you'd get these torrent sites. Not that any of us ever did that to get license keys. You'd look at uh, the old box in the office and be like, is anybody using this one? That's right. It didn't have a pen scratched through it. (laughs) So, you know, licensing has changed now for, for everybody. Now there's still a few legacy where you can go out and buy a license or whatever. You know, there's some, uh, like I know VMware fusion and there's a couple that you still get a license key in the email or whatever, but I really want to focus on licensing in particular with the email providers. So, you know, I don't want to go down this rabbit trail, but we've seen a couple of major hacks in the news recently, in particular with the gas pipeline. And um, I, I know some guys who unfortunately just went through a data center um, outage and th- those kind of things basically boil down to they have some older infrastructure. They're using real servers. We talked about this on the podcast a few months ago with central Piedmont where they have a, you know, partial cloud email server and a, uh, an on-premise server and, you know, to the common person that's just going about their day, they don't really know the difference, but basically we used to have to deal with these servers to, to maintain email, but most big companies now are in the cloud, meaning it's somebody else's problem. That server is somebody else's problem. And that somebody is Google or Microsoft. So they're probably going to do a pretty good job at maintaining that server. So you start at that kind of core foundation of the subscription to get your email. And then along with that subscription is going to come things like file sharing. Um, You know, it could be active directory or in Google, it's identity. There's IDPE. There's a lot of things that come with that cloud subscription. And I don't want to go into the details of, you know, which one's better and all that stuff because it's not a competition. It just kind of depends on what your business needs. We're Apple guys, but Microsoft has its place. Google has its place. They do a great job at certain things. Um, and it kind of, you know, power kind of shifts a little bit. But when we were making these big decisions, like an email provider, I was talking to um, a really smart business guy a couple of years ago, and he was saying, you know, it's like changing a bank. Like you might be really dissatisfied with your bank, but it's so annoying to change. 
you'll just deal with it. So when you make these business decisions to go for Google or Microsoft 365 or whatever the subscription is, it's a big decision. It's probably one you're going to stick with forever or for at least a, a number of years. And unless something really bad goes wrong, you're going to stick with it. So you need to understand what you're getting with these subscriptions and why you would go with one over the other. So I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. So this comes at a time when Google has just changed their subscription model. And we had a podcast about that just a few weeks ago. So listen to that for a little more detail, but basically we've gone from um, G suite to Google apps to Google workspace now. And here at Atlas, we use all of them. We use Google workspace as our email provider uh, and we use it for file sharing, but we also have a subscription to Office 365, which we'll talk about in a second. So with Google Workspace, it obviously provides email, and then there's a bunch of other functionalities. There's YouTube subscription you can give to your your folks or whatever, but the one I really want to talk about is the file sharing piece. So we talked about, I think they limited you to, what is it, two terabytes per person now. It used to be unlimited. Mm-hmm. They scaled it back to two terabytes But I can tell you, for your common business user, your regular person is not going to have two terabytes of data. You know, your your accountant, your photographer might touch it uh, over some time, but the most people, you're not going to have two terabytes per person uh, in a in a small to medium sized business. If you do, you got other things to deal with. So uh, they kind of scaled back on that. But the other thing about the way files are shared with that subscription, that has really changed. And we adopted this just a couple of weeks ago, actually, where you used to have to have my drive. So my Google Drive. And I have a Google Drive. And I would put some files in there. And I would share it out to people. So I'm the owner. But I'm sharing it to Brian. I'm sharing it to Grayson. And they can see. But I'm kind of the owner. Now there are, if you have the right uh, level, there's shared drives. So now it's like kind of the way I mentioned the server before where we have a server and that server is not owned by Chad. It's owned by the company. And I'm going to have more flexible permissions on allowing people to see things. And, you know, and I can, we can speak to this specific example that happened internally. You know, Brian had made some folders and Brian, you were like, Oh, well they're right there. (laughs) And they were right there for him, but I had to go looking for them under my like shared with versus this new, it'll be in our server together and we don't have to worry about permissions and stuff. So that's, that's something to remember. If you have a Google subscription, you have that also. Now let's turn the table and talk about Microsoft. Microsoft comes with a ton of stuff. But they have different price models. The first is like five bucks a month. You get email and you also get OneDrive. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. You at least get a terabyte of OneDrive space. That sounds right. And but OneDrive, at least currently, is still like the old Google Drive where it's Chad's drive. It's my drive, and I have to share it out. Um, so it's still a terabyte. It's still pretty good. So if you have that, you really don't have the need for a subscription to Dropbox or Google drive, or you might have that for other purposes, but your kind of core assets is probably best to put them all in one location where that's all your stuff. And you maybe have Dropbox for that one customer that maybe you need to correspond with or something. So, um, the, with the subscription model on the Microsoft side though, this is where it gets tricky. The 
business world for the past, arguably forever, has relied on PowerPoint, Excel, Word, and Outlook, Microsoft Office. So you can pay for Microsoft Office, just the apps. I think it's eight bucks or eight fifty a month or something like that for just the applications. So again, we talked about, okay, I downloaded Excel onto my computer. Well, that's easy nowadays. You can get it, but you can't use it. It's read only. So you can just look at that Excel document. But if you want to edit it, you have to have the software. So you have to log in with your subscription. The thing to be super careful about in the Microsoft world is the fact that Microsoft will let you have a personal account and a work account with the same email address, and they can very easily get confused. So if you ever log in, you'll see, you know, I'm going to log in with Chad at Atlas Carolina, and it's going to say, is this a work email or a personal one? And that choice will make a big difference. If you choose personal, it's going to say, oh, this is, this must be your personal option, even though you're using the same email address. Google doesn't let you do that. You get one email and that's the way it is. So it's a little cleaner on the Google side. Microsoft can kind of get muddled up and you, you know, you logged in with your email and it was your work email and you know for sure that you have the subscription, but it's not working. Well, it's because you clicked personal, not Google. So uh, yeah, it, it can kind of be a mess. So, um, all right. That's kind of the overarching thing. So I just wanted to open up the discussion with you guys and get your, you know, real life. Like when you work with these tools, what makes sense? What do you like about each one? So, um, Brian, you've got lots of thoughts. I can tell. I have lots of thoughts, <laughs> but you know, until recently, like the Google file sharing drove me crazy. Like just because of that whole shared my, my file, Thing. You know, I use Dropbox forever. And then, you know, went into Google Drive and it didn't work the way I wanted it to for a long time. It It's now it's getting to where it works the way I think it should have been worked the whole time, you know. Yes, so I agree. I'm, I'm becoming more happy with that. Uh, you know, as, as far as like Microsoft goes, you know, with the, the two login thing, they're trying to be all things to all people on the Windows side. So you right. have your they want they want every individual user to have their Microsoft account, like whoever you are, use your Gmail address, whatever. You have a OneDrive for that if you sign, if you create a Microsoft account, you know, that you sign in your PC with. They want you to do that. And then you've got your business OneDrive. So you'll actually see two different little clouds in your taskbar. I think one's blue and one's white. I can't remember which one's work and which one's personal, but they're letting, they're making you basically have, you have both. And if you look in your like Explorer, you're going to see two different file shares and they look right. very similar. So yep. again, it's very easily confused on those. Um, as you know, as a platform, you know, Microsoft has a lot of tiers And if you need their apps, that's great. You can get it for eight bucks, but the, the security side from Microsoft to me is better. This is as a whole because yeah. the, the way they've engineered it is the, Security follows the user in your organization, and they've really accommodated the cloud thing where you can log in from different computers. And as long as you're logged in as you and you're going to use two factor or whatever, it's going it, to, it uses some of that smart, like algorithmic stuff to know it was you and where you are, and you can lock stuff out. You, know, yep. you can really get granular with security controls the farther you go up those, those tiers. I don't know that Google has quite to that level. So it depends what your needs are, I think, but well, you can tell that Google, 
you know, just from a company standpoint, if you look at what Google provides, they're a software developer, but not in the same way that Microsoft is like, you know, sheets and pages or whatever they're called, the, the app versions, they're cloud only for the most part versus, you know, we have Excel, which people have used for decades, whatever on a computer locally. And they're kind of working at it in reverse. Like, how can I get my Excel document uploaded to this cloud to share versus Google started in the cloud and is kind of working down to the computer. So it's a little bit different. Um, you know, and to kind of speak to what you're saying, Brian, the security world and Google, Google just got into the directory service, which, you know, in the enterprise world, that's everything. Everybody's mm-hmm. always about their directory, active directory, and they have the directory behind the firewall and all this stuff. Well, as life proceeds, there's less and less servers on site. So active directory is I'd, a lot of people cringe when I would say this, but it's falling out of popularity, having an on-premise active directory server with five people that you're paying to maintain the server that essentially is just a directory of people with usernames and passwords. Well, you know, Google only does the cloud version of that Google IDP identity provider and Microsoft's Azure AD is the cloud version as well. And some people can do a little bit of a hybrid and you know, it's, it's going that direction, but the world is turning towards, look, it's an identity provider. I just need to know who you are and what's your password. That's basically what it does. So we're seeing Microsoft, everybody's kind of going to the cloud, but they are different in the fact that I think it's probably a good way to explain it. Google started from cloud and is moving down. Microsoft's kind of going the other way. So Grayson, what's your experience with what, what's your favorite? If any, I'm not, I haven't used OneDrive at all. So I can't No, Um, (laughs) I'm a long time Google drive user. Yeah. So it's, it's great. I have Dropbox also. I think there's pros and cons to both of them. Um, It's sort of, what I've seen is whatever the team commits to and learns how yeah. to use um, it, you know, it can work. Uh, but Google drive is a little bit confusing and maybe, you, maybe you can speak about shared drive a little bit, but uh, one of the problems I've run into with Google drive is let's say we're peers, right? I create a folder. It's a shared folder and I'm uploading things into it. Right. And it, Google sees me as the owner of those files, right? Now it's shared with you. It's taken up space on your Google Drive also. Now let's say you delete it out of that shared folder. Well, you'll see a message that says you've removed this folder, but other people might be able to see it. I saw it. So it's like, is it really there? Because what if yeah. what if I'm slacking on our company's shared folder and you're like, oh, I need to clean this up. And you start deleting stuff, but it's still online. And another question about the shared drive is, let's say I upload a file. Whose account is that taking up space on? If it's a shared drive, does a shared drive have its own storage capacity? Or is it counting against me because I uploaded it? Uh, Well, so I think that you're not lost on the, the confusion because it's not super clear, (laughs) but if I'm not mistaken, if I own the file, it's only taking up space in mine. And if I share it to you, it's not really in your area. It's like a, it's like a um, shortcut to mine. 
But the shared folders work differently. But shared folders, and again, we've only had it for a week or so. Um, from what I understand, the the company owns it, which is more server like, which is what people are used to. Where this file is owned by the company, and if you know John Smith deletes that file, well, anybody that's an administrator over that file has the ability to recover it, you know, to access it. There's data retention. If we get into what companies that, you know, maybe have HIPAA compliance and they are required by law or, or whatever certification that they need to, to get to have three years of data, even if somebody deletes it, uh, you can set those rules and you can say, you know, you've been able to do that with Google all along, but it makes more sense in the shared drive. Cause it's like a, this is the company instead of, I own this and I'm the owner and I'm going to pass it over to Brian and then Brian's going to share it to, it's just, it's way more clean. So this how way. much storage would a shared drive have? I don't know off the top of my head. I believe with Google workspace, I want to say it's two terabytes for a team. Of course you can pay for more storage, but okay, I, so it's I believe equal to a user. I believe it's equal to a user. I don't okay. know that for a fact. I'd have to look it up. It is relatively new. I mean, ours just got, like I said, a week or so ago, it, we got the prompt to go ahead and convert and I decided, let's just go for it. Cause you know, it's just a little bit confusing. I think that's why in the past places like box.com um, and Dropbox have kind of won out. Yeah, because it seems more like this is a file share. Now, with Google doing this, my question now comes to: Do you have the need for uh, Dropbox and Google Drive anymore? I don't. I don't think so. Um, I well, uh, if I may, please. Um, I've noticed one thing with Google Drive: um, uploading audio or video often especially if it's a long video can take time for it to process. And so let's say I upload a video and I want you to view it without downloading it. It could take 24 hours. I've seen it take 24 hours. Um, and I think the experience watching or listening to something in Dropbox is a lot easier sometimes. Mm. So it depends for me what I'm working on. Well, I know for a while, um, box.com, I don't know that that's the case anymore, but box.com for a while was the only cloud storage that was HIPAA compliant. You could pay for the extra tier to become enterprise and have HIPAA compliance. So if you were a medical practice, you had to do, if you wanted to do cloud, you had to go HIPAA. You had to do something HIPAA and it was not Google drive was not Dropbox. So, you know, behind the scenes, it is sort of silly, but to make something HIPAA compliant, they literally take the servers and put them in a separate room with a lock and key. And then it's HIPAA compliant. You know, there's a couple extra rules, different encryption and whatnot. There's a check box for the business associates agreement. That's it. Yeah. It's basically, (laughs) it is. And they of course charge you more for it. But if you're, if you're trying to stay compliant, you had to choose some of these options. Now, um, as things proceed forward, I think we'll see user experience will probably start, uh, leveling off. Cause yeah, Google, I mean, you would think by now, like you said, the listening experience of a shared song might be a little bit better, but I agree. Uh, Dropbox has been good for that, um, up to this point. So, but, but as far as, you know, if I'm a business owner and I'm paying for Dropbox and Google and I'm paying subscription for Microsoft 365 also right. to get these apps. Now I'm paying, you know, 30 or 40 bucks a month per user, can I consolidate and pick one that's going to get, get by 
I don't think we're quite there yet. I mean, I, I know customers a lot of times when we pick and we say we're going to go Google and they like the Google infrastructure. And then we find out, oh, well, you know, Joe needs Excel. Well, there's another 850 a month for Joe. Well, now Joe has Excel and then Sally wants Excel too. Okay. Well now, so now you're kind of doubling up on it. Um, yeah. So. You know, and that's one of the, I think the limitations, Google can do a lot with sheets, but it's getting past the, the user is used to a certain software. Yes. You can do, just speaking about spreadsheets, you can do a lot in Google sheets. Yes. But it's not that independent app. I mean, you can download the little app, you know, right <laughs> on the desktop, but you can't do pivot tables. I think that's about it. Like, which is, yeah. Who does, I don't even know how to do a pivot table. Well, so. And, and you're totally right, Brian. Like we're, I just mentioned about the two terabyte storage limit, like for an accountant, for an account executive, for an engineer, like they're not going to need two terabytes of data. They just are not. And and I believe that's why Google made that decision to, to take away unlimited data because you really don't need it. Right. And they're kind of pulling back on their promise to say, I know we said unlimited, but nobody's really using it. And they kind of came out to an average of two terabytes, whatever that is. There's going to be people that push those boundaries. There's going to be somebody that needs a pivot table and is going to complain about sheets. But I will say from experience, Google does the best job with collaborative. If you're collaborating Absolutely. on a spreadsheet, yes, it's the best hands down. It does, you don't have any syncing problems. Excel doesn't do that. They don't do it well. I mean, there's, there's spreadsheets in the Mac admin world where you can see people looking at stuff live with hundreds of people sharing it and there's no problems with it. So amongst a group of 10, 20, 30 people, if you're collaborating on Google sheets, it's the best. You can yeah. see who's working on what segment of the document. It's awesome. Uh, and Microsoft's playing catch up there and it is getting better, especially if you're storing things in one drive or using teams, right? You can collaborate. They're doing it their way, but it's not as simple as and easy to use as Google is. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of the name of the game. Like Microsoft has, they suffer to give away um, features for simplicity. Mm-hmm. Whereas people like Google, Apple, they start with the most simple thing, but you don't have all the bells and whistles and buttons that you can see. And that can irritate people. I know for sure. Like if you're used to Excel and you don't know where that one button is, then it is what it is. But, uh, you know, speaking of the Microsoft suite, Outlook now has the, uh, I forget what they call it, but there's a big box up in uh, Outlook that says like new mode or something. Oh, yeah. And it essentially turns your uh, Outlook into a web browser. Hmm. So it just looks a little bit different. And, you know, we're seeing that all the time. In fact, this week we're, we've used Asana for a while. Asana has a Mac desktop app, but it basically is just loading a browser through yeah. a little portal. You know, it looks exactly like a web browser. So, I think, you know, like it or not, apps are going to just basically become web apps in the future. So, you know, I think when we see Excel web mode, it'll do the same thing. It's just going to be a web version that sits on your computer, so it makes you feel like you're using it local. Yeah, well, it's like going. That's what reminds me of the before the pre App Store iPhone, right? It was web apps. Was the, yeah. that that was the future? Remember what Steve Jobs right. said? The future was web apps. There's <laughs> no one wants to build an app. And right. the, the, but the not good thing about having these little apps is you can actually put the little the icon on your dock, and it's not having uh, instead of having a hundred Safari tabs open, you have a hundred 
web apps open on your right. laptop. Guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grayson is a, he's a, um, tab man. <laughs> he's got a tab. And I like how, uh, in Chrome you can, you can group tabs together too. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Well, Apple has tried as well with the tabs. We can kind of pull them over to the side and I, I just yeah. personally don't ever use them, but I keep a clean house. I keep my tabs closed if I'm not using them. <laughs> But you know, at all all these subscriptions and stuff, it really comes down to personal preference. And hopefully that's what you've if you're listening, have gained today is that there's not a silver bullet yet, I think, that is gonna work perfect. I mean, we still are living in that world of the Pareto distribution where there's two or three big guys and that's really it. Uh, you know, you don't wanna you don't wanna get into these subscription models where you've got like this weird version of office, you know, there are ones that are free. There's open office and there's mm-hmm. all this stuff, but you get what you pay for. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the model. If I set somebody up, that's literally has no money. There's like Zoho email host and it's literally free, which of course, you know, you get bombarded with ads and it's not flexible and it's all this other stuff. There are other options out there, well, but if, if you're, if you want free, you're better off just setting up, a. Uh on gmail like company centric gmail account even without you could say yeah brian atlas at gmail.com exactly (laughs) and that's what a lot of business people do you know they still haven't but if you're you know if you're a serious business you've got any income at all and you really want a good email provider you are going to be looking at google or office 365 pretty much that's it you know, you'll see Apple's getting out of that game. Apple's totally in the subscription game, but not for email. They're, they want you on the hook for music and movies and entertainment and apps and subscriptions for other things. But they're out of the email game. And I'll say, too, just totally random, but if you have an iCloud email address, a Mac.com email address, a .me, I would get off of it ASAP. <laughs> so... um I had a long time Mac customer that had a Mac.com, which to this point has kind of been like a cool, like I have a Mac.com email address has been pretty cool, but their email just vanished, just disappeared one day. You know, at WWDC, (laughs) they announced some stuff. It wasn't about email, but it was iCloud, like the iCloud plus thing with the private relay emails and stuff like Mm -hmm. subscription services. They've added a couple little things. I don't think the email service has improved any, but there's a couple of privacy things that can be used if you have those addresses. Well, I think uh, I want to talk about this on a whole nother episode because just in brief, what Apple's doing, I mean, I think they've really, they're going to start really ticking some people off in the advertising world because they're going to stomp all over that stuff because in their opinion, uh, it's a breach of privacy to give away your location and your health information. I mean, literally, and I'm, I'm sure we've got a million stories, but I got a pop-up the other day from QuickBooks on my iPhone asking for my health information. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> how does it even make sense? Yeah. Just a brief but, uh, little story about that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I was out of town a few weeks ago um, and I was at a, a beach house and they had this little, you know, trivet you put a spoon on. It was just it was interesting. Was like, okay, never said a word about it, right? I get home and there's an advertisement for this item in my Instagram feed. No way. Because I was in that, they probably ordered it from Amazon, had it shipped to that location. Yeah. 
I was in that location. So the great, the, the algorithm in the sky connected yeah. me and went, Oh, you were in this kitchen. You must want that, that tool that was there. So wow. I deleted everything. That's, yeah. that's the, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's, that's a, a whole nother episode. Yeah. I, I want to get into that because, um, with, with the Safari redirect stuff, I need to do some more research on it, but what it looks like on the surface to me is a boiled down version of Tor, which is how you get on the dark web. Mm -hmm. And, you know, traditionally you've looked at dark web, like, you know, a decade ago when we were playing around with Dogecoin and cryptocurrencies and, you know, Bitcoin and all that, when it was, it was pennies, it was sort of a joke, but it was a way to buy and sell illegal things because it was untraceable both ways. But, now it's like, well, what if I don't want to be traced? It's actually a pretty good thing. So I think we're going to see baby versions of the dark web. So you can actually legitimately look at stuff and not be tracked, you know, cause you don't want the, the spoon holder from your grandma's house or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Well, guys, thanks for joining with us. Subscribe to all of our things. Um, and if you need business help with your Apple devices, deployments, uh, reach out to us at Apple, um, consultants network. We're part of the Apple consultants network, proud members of that. And you can reach us directly at our website, atlascarolina.com and on all the social media platforms. Um, uh, we try to make content that's lighthearted, but, um, but serious when, when it comes to business, we take you guys and your business is serious. So, uh, reach out if you have any questions and we will talk to you next time.